0: Run, run away, buy yourself another day. Part Four of the Kingdom Come series. Written by Smoke and Jolly Ranchers. Read by God of Laundry Baskets. Rating, explicit. Pairing, Jester Caleb. ren doesn't hate Zorhas. it's treasonous to even have the thought, but he still watches the sun rise over the wastes, the first rays of light igniting across the frost, making the dawn bright as midday. His breath is lit by the dawn, and it's like breathing fire, and he stops to smile, The wind pushes his hair across his face, and he realizes it's getting a little long. He needs to cut it when he gets back. Jester's preference for longer hair has him keeping his hair almost a little too long. When he saw Astrid last, just getting back from her own mission, she had stared at him for near twenty seconds before she walked away, shaking her head. You're so stupid. Bren is stupid, but it's too late to do anything about it. He keeps going to her when she calls. He keeps coming to her when he's broken. He keeps falling asleep next to her. He keeps thinking about her when he's hundreds of miles away. He keeps dreaming of emerald-scarred marble and the crashing of the ocean. It's terrifying. He's a... good? Soldier? Monster? Killer? Hound? Whatever is left of him, he knows he's just... He knows he does this for the Empire. He knows how necessary it all is. Bren never questions his orders. He didn't question the crystals, no matter how badly they still burn under his skin. He didn't question his parents' execution order, though it had nearly destroyed him to carry it out. But they were traitors. They betrayed their empire and their family and him and— Bren takes a breath, tasting smoke on his tongue. He never questions what the Empire needs from him. But now, he thinks, cracking his knuckles. Now, there's violet eyes in all of the accused, and it doesn't feel right anymore. Jester runs her paintbrush across the stone, only vaguely listening to Samson talking to her. Samson is patient, but even they have their days, and they cross their arms, brows tweaking as they look up at her. Priestess, what did I just tell you? Oh, very important things. Jester bites her lip, tail swishing glowly letting her think. "'About holy days and people we both know?' "'Jester, I'm really going to need you to pay attention,' they tell her through gritted teeth, pretending it's a smile. "'I'm sorry, I'm just a little distracted.' Jester sighs, setting her paintbrush down and wiping her hands off on her dress. I'm listening. I promise. What's distracting you? Your birthday, or— Sam doesn't say it, but they want to. So badly. Jester keeps a pleasant smile on her face, terrified of having this conversation. Sam just stares at her, and Jester shrugs. There's just a lot happening right now. Can't you feel it? The ocean is trembling. Sam looks out to the ocean, their lips drawing into a frown. They close their eyes, listening, and Jester wonders if they can feel that, too, the shaking from deep underneath them. Sam frowns a deeper, opening their eyes to look at Jester. That doesn't feel very positive. It might not be, Jester shivers, the feeling almost ecstatic in the air. But something is going to tip the scales, and it's going to be chaos again. It's our warning. We need to pay attention right now. Sam looks at her and then narrows their eyes. Are you fucking with me? Jester grins, obnoxious giggles slipping through her mouth. I'm sorry! You were just so serious! Everything is fine. I'm thinking about Alice, not my birthday. That's dumb in comparison. You're the worst sometimes. No, it's why I'm the high priestess. Jester bats her eyes at Sam, pointing to a part of the wall She is getting base colors down. This is where I'm going to put Alana and Alice, when Alice is official and we have our first wedding and the traveler has a paladin. Jester swoons, resting against the wall, her hand thrown over her chest. Samson gives a sigh, pinching the bridge of their nose, knowing just as well as Jester did that she had leaned into some wet paint. I suppose you're right. This is a very important occasion. I'm sure the gut full of dread I felt was only due to your prank and not an actual impending doom. I'm sure that's exactly what that means. Having exhausted their previously unending patience, Sam leaves Jester to herself, and she turns back to her mural. Time passes. An hour. Another. And she works steadily. A warm wind pushes through the sanctuary, and Jester shivers, turning towards the ocean. She watches the horizon, a swell of a storm, miles away. One of her cans of paint falls over next to her, and she jumps, turning her back to the wall. There's a green handprint on the wall that wasn't there a moment ago, and Jester blinks, scanning the wall for what changed. She sees all of them, her friends, her family, on a wall, hanging. The paint is still wet a deep empire blue jester jumps back with a gasp tripping over her paint cans and falling onto her back she groans opening her eyes again to look at the corner which is clean again and she glances over to where the handprint was the vibrant green paint was now black but the traveler had just been here with a groan, she lays back down in the paint, covering her eyes. Fuck! She's sure no one hears her tears over the oncoming storm. Bryn pokes at the scar in the middle of his chest, frowning. He doesn't cover himself up when he hears the door is open, and Wolf walks into his room like he owns the place. He gives Bren a once-over, eyes resting on the scar. "'Those hounds could not get enough of you, Ja!' Bren glares at him, running his fingers down the length of it. "'It's memorable. It's recognizable. Why is it still on me? You must have pissed off the old man, Wolf tells him, sitting down on Bren's bed. He reaches into his bag and pulls out a small, heady package. He tosses it to Bren, who lights up when he brings it to his nose and inhales. Danke, Wolf, thank you. I mean, I was in Emin anyway, but why did you need it? Wolf asks, flopping back on Bren's bed. From where he's standing, he can see the mess of bruises on Wolf's chest, and he crosses the room, tugging up his shirt. Wolf slaps at his hands, but Bren is staring at a mess of barely healed injuries. Get off me, Bren. You look like shit. Bren frowns, and Wolf scoffs, pressing his foot to the center of Bren's chest and pushing him back a couple of steps. Who doesn't? Have you seen Astrid recently? She took a hit on her mission, too. Do. Bren pauses, choosing his words carefully. Do you ever get sick of this? All the pain... Wolf is quiet, longer than Bren expects him to be, and he feels his pulse increase, like he's anticipating a fight, like a wolf might turn him in. Instead, Wolf gets back up, coming to stand in front of him. Bren doesn't flinch when Wolf reaches for him, but he does when he feels Wolf's lips against his forehead, instead of a fist to his face i know what you're thinking and you would never survive it i know you think you are strong but you couldn't kill me and you couldn't kill astrid and he would send us after you be smart bren please astrid and i can't kill you either he leaves and bren sits down on his bed bringing the package to his nose again, and inhaling. Wolf is right, of course. They'll all die together when it's finally time. She feels a hand in the back of her shoulders in the middle of the night. Jester rolls towards the hand and lisses intently. What did that mean? The Traveler's voice is just a whisper in her consciousness. She strains to hear him in her sleep. Something is coming. Be careful. I don't understand it myself. What do I do? There's a crash, and Jester jerks away to just barely catch the flash of lightning, the cliff rumbling with angry thunder. Jester looks around wildly, but she's alone, just like she was when she went to bed. She wraps herself back up into her blanket and tries to fall asleep again. It's cold tonight. Esther sniffs, whispering a spell into her hands. She exhales, small green sparks trapped in her palms. Hi, Bren. I miss you. Be safe, Okay. "'Don't do anything stupid. There's a huge storm tonight, and it's cold, and I wish you were—' Her spell cuts her off, and Jester frowns, nuzzling her face into the pillow. He doesn't answer her, and Jester sniffs. Right before sleep claims her again, she can hear his voice, low and groggy, with either sleep or blood loss. She isn't sure.' I would give anything to be there next to you, Lavore. Hope you know that. Bren hides in the City of Beasts, the shadows as effective as a spell. He wonders, keeping his eyes open for his contact. It's hard to tell exactly which one of these monsters was the monster he was waiting to meet, His half-orc disguise keeps eyes off him once he leaves the shadow, eyes scanning the marketplace. None of the other people milling about are looking around. None of them seem to be waiting for anyone. It feels like a trap, and Bren is about ready to call it when he stops at a stall, looking the jars over. He sees something perfect, and he trades a couple of coins with the goblin running the stand. She wraps it up for him carefully, and he thanks her, slipping it into his robes. He is past impatient, and he wants this mission to either hurry up and fail where the contact needs to appear in the next few minutes. He's needed at a party a country away. There's a noise, and he looks up, two things catching his eye nearly simultaneously. First he sees a green cloak and a sweet-looking firebolg apologizing as she helps pick up a basket of fruit she accidentally knocked over. The person she ran into waves her off at first, but watches her carefully after that. Her face tilts, and she fixes her gaze on the firebolg that Brenn realizes he recognizes as Alice. He slips into the shadows again, watching Alice apologize once more before ambling off. Bren swears under his breath, watching the girl walk away. Part of him wants to run after her and chastise her for not paying enough attention, for not noticing how strange that interaction was, how that person she had run into was still watching her. Part of her wants to chase her, but he doesn't. They don't mix business, and it's better she not see him anyway. He stands in the shadows, watching her until she disappears, his contact obviously not coming. But Bren waits as long as he can, before he backs to the shadows and out of sight. If that girl has any sense, she'll leave Zorhas and soon— Jester is twenty-one. That's young, she thinks, all things considered. She has members of her flock who are older than her. Their lives are longer and their stories are better. She wonders why he picked her sometimes. What the traveler sees in her that makes him trust her with his people. Angers laced through her hair. Alana and Sam winding ribbons into braids. Sam pokes her shoulder, their eyebrows knitting together. You seem... really fucking sad, Alana answers for them, securing the edge of the braid. Especially on your birthday. I'm okay, Jester promises, smiling weakly. I've had a lot on my mind lately, I'm okay, I promise. Is there anything we can help you with? Sam asks, carefully making sure the green and pink ribbons remain in their pattern as they work, while Alana continues winding her ribbons in whatever order she grabs them off of the ground. Jester shakes her head, putting a much better smile on her face. No, I'm all right. Thank you, though. Both of you. I really appreciate all the help you give me. I think I might just be getting old... Sam, who has at least seven years on Jester, glares at her, their eyebrows raised. Jester beams at them and sits as patiently as she can while her hair is finished. Once the ribbons are woven into her hair, the two of them sit back to regard her, a strange pride in their faces. You look beautiful, Alana breathes, her hand against her chest. He isn't going to know what hit him. Sam rolls their eyes, cleaning up their supplies as they go. It isn't for him. So? Thank you, Jester grins at both of them. Either way, I look amazing, and it's because of you both. Alana beams, and Sam blushes just a little, their hand rubbing the back of their neck. I... If you're ready, I believe we have a feast to begin. Jester follows them both out, one last look at the ocean from her room before she goes. The sky is clear and the birds float upon the wind, calling to each other softly. There's no sign of clouds or trouble, nothing but a peaceful roar of the waves beneath the cliffs. She inhales letting the salt and scent relax her, and she follows her friends out. They're right. Today is a feast. Today is her birthday. And if there was ever a day to relax, a little, it was today. Her hands wrap around her holy symbol, and she closes her eyes, whispering into the air around her, Thank you for another year. Bless us with one more. The wind picks up behind her, and she hears the traveler's familiar chuckle. <laughs> Same wish every year. It's the only consistent thing about you, Jester Lavore. Bren arrives in Nicodronus as the sun begins to set. It paints the walls of Jester's temple in a bright golden light, accented by the emerald in the walls. He feels the same gems under his skin itch, but he ignores it, too concerned with finding Jester and the strange peace he feels settling into his mind. There's always a lightness when he leaves the Empire, something that allows him to marginally relax his shoulders, like the shadows here weren't watching him. It's been hard to trust the shadows ever since he became one. Music plays, and he follows it to the main sanctuary, where nearly the entire cult was gathered, some of them in various stages of intoxication. The only other tiefling was playing the violin, smiling as people made room to do simple jigs. Laughter echoes off the walls, and Bren realizes how warm these people are. You're here too much, a voice in his head whispers, somehow sounding like Wolf, Astrid, and Ichethon at the same time. You're losing your grip. Their voices don't plague him for long. Not once his eyes pick out Jester, surrounded by a group of her friends. She looks... ethereal. Her smile is so bright, it surpasses the sun itself. Green and pink ribbons weave through her braids, adding to the rainbow that is Jester Lavore. She throws her head back in laughter, and he feels... Something in his chest squeeze. Brent smiles, despite himself, watching her bask in the love of her people. Oh, Ermindrude, you've got it bad. He watches for a few moments, leaning against the warm stone of the walls, until Jester looks up, noticing him. Her face lights up as she makes her way over to him, throwing her arms around his neck. Hi, Bren! Happy birthday, Lavore, he grins into her shoulder. Sorry I'm so late. Oh, you aren't late yet, she assures him, pulling away enough so that she can see his face. But you're close. Her eyes scan his face, making sure he's okay. Making sure she can't see any pain, or that he isn't hiding any injuries. Bren is an asshole on his best day, but he's made sure that he's completely healthy for this. It's the least he's able to do for her. She smiles when she realizes he is, in fact, okay. Her hand trails down his arm until their fingers can lace together, and she squeezes. "'You want something to drink?' "'Surprised you have anything left.' Friend looks over at Kovac, the old knoll sleeping against the wall, an empty bottle of mead in his hands. Jester giggles, tugging him away from the sanctuary and towards their kitchen." I don't know if there's a lot left, but I can probably find you something," she assures him. The halls get quieter as they walk, and Bren smiles to himself, listening to Jester catch him up on what he's missed so far. Nothing too major, she assures him, just happy people, drinking and singing. They make their way into the empty kitchen, and she pulls herself up on the counter pointing to the food on the table. Eat! You're skinny again! I'm the exact same size as I have always been. He rolls his eyes, but makes sure she can see him eat something. Jester finds a bottle in the back of their cupboards, and she sets it on the table next to him. Here! My mama gave this to me when I finally finished the temple, but, you know, I'm not much of a drinker. She says it's more sweet than anything. It's good luck here in Nicodranas to give mead for big life changes, and everyone can always use more luck. Bren scoffs, looking at her with the most confused look. I'm not going to drink your special mead on your birthday without you. But it would make me happy. She counters, crossing her arms. Isn't that the most important thing? Bren sighs, carefully unwrapping the top of the bottle. Split a glass with me? She thinks about it for a moment, then nods, kicking her feet. All right, I'm curious anyways. My mamma said it was really good. Supposed to taste like those berries that only grow in port tamale. She hands him a glass, and he fills it, handing it to her once he's filled it. You first. You said it was good luck, right? Jester rolls her eyes pretty dramatically, but takes a tiny sip from the glass. Her curious face falls quickly, and she wrinkles her nose. Ugh, it's so gross. I don't know how people drink. Bren bides back his laughter, taking the glass from her. The meat is cold on his tongue, and there's a sweetness to it that he wasn't expecting. There's a the soft honey taste he's expecting, and another red berry on top of it. It's delicious. It's actually really good. You can have it, then, she sticks her tongue out. Not my favorite. Bren shrugs, taking another drink as he reaches for his bag. I have something else for you, then. Oh, like a present? She tries to sound nonchalant, but her tail begins to twist with excitement, and he has to tamper down on the fondness in his chest. You thought I wouldn't get you anything? Well, it's rude to just assume things. Carefully he pulls a couple wrapped parcels from where he's stashed them and places them in her hands. Well, in this case, you assumed right. I mean... Jester grins at him, her teeth softly biting the tip of her tongue. I usually am. She unwraps them carefully, her fingers undoing the string of knots as Bren sips at the mead, watching the crease in the eyebrows grow deeper as she works. She pulls the package of cinnamon sticks out first, and her entire face lights up. She brings the package up to her nose and inhales a soft smile on her face. Bren! He shrugs, drinking to hide his blush. It's from Emon. I believe you are telling me that's the only cinnamon worth cooking with. "'Well, it is, but—' She smiles at him, soft and bright. He's not sure he can handle her goodness directed at him like this. There's more. "'You just don't want me to be nice to you,' Jester argues, but she carefully begins to unwrap the second package as well. Bren drains his glass and refills it at Jester's order, the chill leaving Kim feeling a little more relaxed with each sip. Inside, there's a chipped glass jar filled with a soft purple honey, and Jester's jaw drops. It's beautiful! There's these flowers in Zorhas, Bren tells her, taking another sip, shocked, By the way, his heart pounds against his chest at the happiness on her face. Purple pollen. So the bees make purple. Her hand reaches for his shirt, and she pulls him towards her, lips against his. Friend sets his glass down on the counter behind her, his arms wrapping around her waist. Jester kisses him fiercely, her arms around his neck. When she pulls away to breathe, she smiles, her eyes bright. This is the greatest thing I've ever been given. He blushes, forcing himself not to look away. It's nothing. I- Bren, it's not nothing. It's perfect. I love it so, so much, she tells him, her tone leaving no room for argument. Thank you. He kisses her again, because this is something he can handle. He runs his tongue across her bottom lip, and she sighs, cold fingers slipping under his shirt. Her nails trail his sides softly, and he sighs into their kiss, one of his hands coming to her face to kiss her deeper. Jester wraps one of her legs around his waist, pulling him against her on the counter. Jester, he warns, dropping his head to her shoulder. He presses a couple kisses to her neck, feeling her shiver against him. Any more, and I'm going to steal you from your party. I think I can sneak away. Jester grins coyly, sliding off the counter, pressing up against him as she does. I mean, that's why I let them all get stupid drunk, right? So I can be sneaky. Bren shivers at her cold skin pressing against him. No one is sneakier than you, Lavore. Jester's hands curl into her sheets. She tries to keep her breathing smooth, like Bren isn't driving her insane right now. Like the feeling of his tongue up her neck or burnt fingers brushing her nipples isn't causing her to shiver. She feels him smirk against her skin, and she knows it's pointless to pretend he hasn't noticed. Not with those half-lidded eyes looking at her like that. Like, they might never forget the way her teeth sink into her bottom lip when he softly pushes her dress up her hips. He softly presses the heel of his hand against her clit and jester gasps, watching the way Bren's dark eyes watch her. He commits every sound she makes to memory, like he's gathering information, like he's cataloging her. There are few cases Jester makes in favor of the Empire, ever, but the fact that Bren breathes the same time she does makes her almost consider NOT hating that place. Almost. He kisses her collarbones, her breasts, her stomach. The lower he goes, the slower he moves, and she whimpers, moving her hips against his hand. You're such a tease, Ja. Yeah. He scoffs like it's a fact. I don't have a lot of nights where I know I'll have the time to work you over. Humor me. Fuck me. Jester counters, her voice a little too breathless for him to take her seriously. Instead he kneels at the foot of her bed, hands resting on her sides and pulling her towards him. His tongue leaves goose-pumps in its path, he's so warm. Her hand rests in his hair and he smiles, leaving a trail of marks on both her inner thighs. Jester idly thinks she should be careful with how many marks he leaves on her, but it feels so good. She can't bear asking him to stop. You'll kill me like this. He looks up at her, smirking as he kisses her thigh one last time, before throwing that leg over his shoulder. Rather than answer her, Bren's tongue runs up her cunt torturously slow, and Jester catches her tongue in her teeth. He keeps his slow pace, one single finger curling inside her between languid licks, and she's growing impatient. She needs to learn how to create patience inside herself. It's a trait associated with good leaders, and she wants to be remembered as a good leader, but if Bren doesn't do something about this feeling inside her, she's absolutely going to fall apart. I'll remember this," she hisses, carefully running her fingers through his hair. When it's your turn and I'm forty-five minutes into going down on you and you're begging me, I'm going to remember this smug look on your face and I'm going to destroy you for it. That smug face is resting against her thigh, though she sees it melt just for a moment into something so fond. It causes a jolt of arousal through her. For all your threats, I've not yet heard you say please. You're such a bastard. And yet, he grins, a second finger finally sliding inside her and Jester sighs, letting her head rest on her bed. His tongue flicks against her clit, and she gasps, wondering how tight she can squeeze her thighs before Brent is in actual danger of breaking his neck. You could just heal him, a voice in her head says, but she tries to ignore the temptation, too focused on the way he curls his fingers in just that way. Fuck, she hisses, hips pushing against him. He keeps his pace, working her over slowly. Jester knows she could have come by now, but he's so determined to work her over. She isn't able to demand he finish her. Instead, she tries her best to relax her brow and let herself be tortured. Gently, he wraps his lips around her clit, and sucks softly, and she whimpers. Bren... (laughs) He looks up at her, tongue tracing his lips. Ja? Please, she mumbles, eyes never leaving his. I really want to be kissing you right now, but I also really want you to finish this because it's amazing and I— She doesn't have to keep asking him. He's back to work, but this time his pace is fair and— Jester feels the familiar pull towards him, for him, until he's consumed her entire sense of self and her back arches off her bed. Jester comes with his fingers inside her, his mouth slanted over hers, and she tastes herself on his tongue. She kisses him deeply, desperately, and he meets her, wrapping his arms around her. Fuck, he whispers into her skin, breaking for air. You... What? I shouldn't, you shouldn't, be able to do that, he tells her, rubbing his thumb over her cheekbone. And shatter resolves like they're made of glass. She tilts her head, watching his eyes, the way he smiles at her, and the pressure of his cock pushing against her hip. Do you, do you hate that? No. He blinks, that same thumb stroking her bottom lip. I don't. I don't hate it at all. Jester kisses him again, softly, and he melts into her embrace. She takes his lead, her hands slowly stroking his sides as she slips them underneath his shirt. The fabric pulls over his head easily and her fingers trace down his ribs, his chest. Jester places her palms over the scar in the center of Bren's chest, and he sighs, pressing his forehead to hers. You're so dangerous. If I wanted to love you, would you let me? He looks at her, shocked, The last time she remembers him looking at her like this, she'd asked him to leave his people. But then he looked for her door. He looked for the exit. He looked like he might run. But now, he waits. He stares at her. And if she's not wrong, he's smiling at her. As far as Bren's smiles go. This isn't obvious. It's a small curl to his lips, but mostly it's the flash in his eyes, that same fondness she saw before. I... I'm not easy to love. I think that's my call to make. She smiles, guiding one of his hands back to her hips so he can finish pulling off her dress. I know you're dangerous, and I know you're risking a lot each time you come here, and I know this isn't easy for you, but... Jester flips them, pinning him under her, her hand carefully sliding across his forearms, the chill of the crystals bitter compared to the heat of him. But I'm better when you're here, and I don't want you to stop coming here. I want to love you but only if you'd let me. What if I can't? What if I'm too fucked up to even let you? He asks her, eyes watching her, careful. He's not upset. He's just curious. Like he's not even considered she might love him, and he hasn't realized he already loves her. Jester kisses him softly, her whisper against his lips. I would let you break my heart a thousand times over, if it means you'd be mine. Bryn kisses her again, this time with purpose. His hands slide up her sides, leaving goosebumps in his path. Jester sighs into the kiss, her hips moving slowly against his while they kiss, his breath hitching softly. I I can't always promise that I can be there. You don't have to, she assures him, her forehead to his. I don't have to be your first choice. Just let me love you, and... Love me back. Oh, Chester. <laughs> he grins, feeling her hand find the string of his pants, tugging. I've been loving you back. But you'll let me love you too. <sighs> yeah. He sighs, eyelids fluttering shut as she palms him through his trousers. I'll let you love me too. She squeals, kissing him hard before she returns to her task of sliding his pants down his legs. Good! I mean, I was going to love you regardless, but this way I have permission. You're... He pauses, muscles of his stomach twitching as Jester crawls on top of him, her thighs settling on either side of his hips. You're really too good for me, Lavore. She smiles at him, her hand wrapping around his cock and holding him so she can sink down slowly, her teeth in her lip as she watches him beneath her. "'It's so, you'll pick me first. she giggles. Bren groans, burnt tips of his fingers digging into her hips as she rocks slowly. "'Du bist amun Jester gasps, bracing her hands on his chest as she moves tantalizingly slow. Bren sighs under her, a small smile on his face. It's revenge, then, shouts. Revenge is a shitty word, she grins, keeping her non-vengeful pace. You just happened to show me how fucking wonderful taking your time can be. There's a pointed roll of her hips, and both of them gasp together. Jester fingers digging into his chest, and Bren shudders, sitting up, their lips only inches apart. With the change in position, Jester wraps her arms around his neck, slanting her mouth over his. Fine, fine, okay. So she's impatient. She doesn't have Bren's unending patience. She just wants him against her. Ren is more than happy to indulge her, flipping them again so he towers over her. She's kissing him again, and he moans, setting a pace that has her sinking her teeth into his lips. He groans, his hand threading in her hair. His forehead drops to her collarbone. He grips her hip, panting. To of mine, of all. Tell me what that means. Jester whimpers, wrapping her legs around his waist, reveling in the way he moans into her skin. Bren smiles against her throat, moving against her restlessly. Jester whimpers, her back arching against the bed. Bren! You have to come, he murmurs in her ear, his hand slipping between them to play with her clit. Then I'll tell you. Mean! She whimpers, biting his shoulder as he rubs against her, trying to fight off the orgasm building inside her. Bist this- uh, mein meine erste Wahl. Uh, her pronunciation is terrible, and the Zemian trips out of her mouth clumsily. But Bren looks at her with the most open expression she's ever seen on his face. And he kisses her with an open desperation that knocks down the rest of her defenses, and she feels herself fall apart under him. Bren smothers his moans in her neck, trying to hold himself above her, but he collapses. Spent, they try and adjust themselves so they aren't smothering each other, but fingers remain firmly laced together. Hey, Bren, Jasper whispers, eyes half-closed. I love you. I love you, too. He throws his free arm over his eyes, barely hiding his smile. Resemian is awful. It's a hard language, she pouts. Teach me, then. Du bist immer meine Öste Wahl, he repeats, slowly, so she can hear the way the syllables are supposed to sound, You're always my first choice. Jester tries to swallow her smile, but she can't. Between kisses and teasing, Bren repeats the phrase again and again, so she'll always know how to say it. Jester is 21, and as she falls asleep, she holds those Zemian words in her heart. You're always my first choice. Bryn returns to Rexentrum, fighting a smile. It isn't often he comes back here in one piece, usually having to limp his way to some of the healers if the wounds were sanctioned, or to Astrid if they weren't. He winds his way through the marketplace, heading towards the Academy. He prefers not to teleport into the Academy if at all possible. There's usually a fair amount of paperwork he'll ignore for several weeks, until he's chased down by a pencil pusher in Empire Colors, bitching about logs and notes and books. Besides, the walk back takes some time, so he can bury the smile on his face. No spring is starting to appear. It's still bitterly cold in the capital, and he can see his breath as he walks. He can't. Stop thinking about Jester. Stop it, he tells himself, beginning the long trek up the stairs to the academy. If you walk in there looking fucking happy, they'll wonder why, and you can't lie to all of them. Luckily, walking inside the school has a sobering effect, settling on his shoulders as he gets further inside, His steps echo around him, creating the sense of isolation as he walks. There's at least a couple hundred people in this building, but he senses no one. It's like that on purpose, he thinks, to drive home how alone you are here. He remembers walking through those same doors when he was barely fifteen, trying to stay strong against the indifferent, shiny stone walls. He remembers Astrid's work-worn hand on his shoulder, a shaky smile on her face. He remembers the way Wolf had ruffled his hair, already nearly a head taller than Bren, even back then. We earned our place here. The walk to Icathon's office is familiar, and he can count all 648 steps to the door— and the empty desk of his secretary. It's strange to see Icathon's door not being highly patrolled by any of his little spies. Bren feels his hair stand on the back of his neck. Something is off. The door is closed, but he still takes a couple steps towards it, Pressing up against the wall instinctively. There's Icathon's voice, bored and muffled, and another voice, female, he might think. There's only a handful of women who Icathon would invite into his office, and one of them is on a mission right now. The woman, whoever she is, is angry, muttering viciously. Bren checks down the hallway, listening for echoing footsteps or hushed voices. Hearing nothing, he takes a few steps back, reaching into his component bag for the small obsidian statue. It's damn near idiotic, trying to spy on his master, but it doesn't stop him from casting the spell, his shadow coming to life underneath him. His magic swells in the darkness of his shadow, and he orders it to toe the edge of the door, just close enough that it can peek under the door. Bren closes his eyes, letting his senses pass into the darkness, and the muffled voices become clearer. The woman's voice is familiar, and he's fairly certain it's Lady Derogna. She sounds angry, an emotion he doesn't normally associate with the Archmage of Antiquities. Thawne, you assured me I would have something functional by now. There's still basically a child— you think you can create something like my Volstrecker's in a handful of months? Though Icathon might be genuinely asking this question, his tone is dripping in condescension, and Bren nearly hears Lady Derogna clenching her jaw. They take nearly a lifetime to temper. You should be thrilled at the progress it's made already. You said you had your best on their training— one of my best, and your little weapon is a side project for her. As you can imagine, we live in traitorous times. They're constantly busy. <sighs> Ecophon sighs, and Bren can hear the sound of cups against wood. But if you weren't satisfied with its progress, we could start over. Pardon? Lady Derogna's voice wavers only slightly, and Bren feels himself clenching his fists. "'If it's unsatisfactory, we'll exterminate it and begin anew. You lose the progress you've made, but we can mold it better again,' Master Icathon explains, as though he's talking about the weather. "'I'll have her dispatch the current, and we can start you a new one. I do appreciate what you've given me, and I agree to make you a functional weapon.' "'You think she would just kill that child? "'She's sunk nearly a year into its training.' "'I've not known Astrid to be sentimental,' Ikethon responds, his tone amused. "'But even if she doesn't wish to kill them, she's never disobeyed an order.' "'Loyalty through manipulation is hardly impressive.' "'So you think,' Ikethon answers.' But tell me, how many of your underlings rifted their very roots from this earth? Would they, if you had simply ordered them to? Perhaps a slight modification to the memory pushed them, but they still did it. That is true loyalty, my dear. Bren freezes. Nearly losing his concentration on the spell, heart pounding in his chest. Perhaps a slight modification to the memory pushed them. Them? Them? Him? Of all of them? Astrid and Wolf and— He sees so clearly in his head that night— Graduation. He remembers the way Astrid's dark eyes had remained fixed on her parents as they choked at the table. Only her parents' food had been poisoned, but none of them had eaten. He remembers Wolf softly closing the door behind him as he walked out, wiping the blood off his blade on his thigh. They shouldn't have mourned them, their traitor parents, but they had all still found each other at that inn. Comfort found however they could." Bren can't remember another time he'd seen tears in Astrid's eyes, or the trembling in Wolf's hands. All this pain. And it wasn't true? He's stunned. That's why he doesn't notice the footfalls, the sudden presence at the door. Bren lets himself be caught off guard, and that's how Master Icathon peeks his head out to see him standing there, the last wisps of his spell disappearing. The instinct to run is overpowering, but it's only seconds before his body freezes, trapped in the magical snare of his master's spell. Forgive me, Lady Darachna. I have something I need to take care of. Put another kettle on, wouldn't you? I won't be long. Bren watches, powerless, as Master Ikethon approaches him, displeased line to his frown. My boy, you should know better than to sneak around and spy here. He's unable to speak, and he tries to fight against the spell as best he can, but his body remains frozen under its hold. I can't help but think you've been listening this whole time, because who would assume otherwise? I'm almost impressed, but more annoyed." Aethon grabs Bren's chin in his hand, pulling so they are making eye contact. But you don't spy on your master. It's a shame you won't remember this lesson, or why your arms are going to ache. But I trust you'll know you deserve it. Ichathon casts a spell, and Bren feels his arms move against him, but he's trapped in thrall, head tilted as he stares at his master, waiting. Ichathon stares into his eyes, voice calm. "'I'm not sure how much of that you heard, my boy, so let's be safe. Anything you heard that I wouldn't want you to hear? Best to just let that slip from your mind, Bren.' You went to your mission in Zorhas, you came back, and now, you're going to go to your quarters and not bother me. Tomorrow, you're going to take the mission in Allfield, and you're going to stay there until it's finished, and you'll be back in a week. Understand? Bren blinks, a heavy confusion resting over his mind. He... Fuck. Was he… he was doing something, right? He meets his master's eyes, and Ikithon lifts an eyebrow at him. Dismissed, Bren. I won't tell you again. Right. Right. He… he was going to his quarters. Bren nods curtly passing his master and heading for the stairs. Right. Of course. Of course. He must have done something. He just... can't remember. That's... not... right. He'll remember. He just needs to give it some time. His... His... head pounds with each step he takes until he gets to his door. Resting his head against the wood, he takes a deep breath, trying to find comfort in the smell of cedar. It's only a few steps before he's collapsing into his bed, pillow pulled over his face to block out the light. Even breathing seems to hurt his head, and he releases a shaky exhale into the fabric. Breathe, Hemondrude. Breathe. Breath. After breath, he tries to calm himself down. It might be working. If nothing else, he toes the line of sleep, and he blinks as the darkness crawls into his sight. Hey, Bren! Astrid's voice whispers in his head, and he opens one eye in the early morning light. Master Icoban, let me mail Wolf something.
1: I signed your name.
0: Don't let it distract you. Stay safe, you dipshit. See you soon. Bren massages his forehead, sitting up on his bed. He feels stiff this morning, like his body had been through some sort of wringer. When did he even fall asleep? He coughs, sinking over Astrid's message. What did she send him something for? Did he miss something? Bren's back straightens. Wolf's birthday, which which means Jester, in her bed, her hair sprawled over her pillow. Be safe. Two weeks. My birthday. My birthday. My birthday. Oh, fuck. He flies off the bed, crossing the room in a couple of steps. At the bottom of his closet, he moves a panel where he had hidden the gifts to give to Jester, only to find it empty. Fuck. What? What? Did someone steal from him? Who the fuck would? Only Wolf or Astrid even knew where his room is, and they've both been gone for at least two weeks. A string of curses slip from his mouth, and he runs a hand through his wild hair. Jester is going to be so angry with him. He thinks of their last fight, the six weeks of bitter silence after their disagreement about her temple, and he groans. His hand trembles as he reaches for his chalk, rolling it around. She hasn't started yelling at him yet, and that worries him. Jester's anger can be brutal, and he's not looking forward to having it directed at him again. How could he forget her birthday? Friend sighs, taking a breath and beginning to cast a heaviness in his chest. She's going to be so angry with him. Jester thinks it's bullshit that it's so hard to match the color of the ocean with paint. There's at least three different shades of blue at her feet, and three different shades of green, but no matter how many times she tries to mix them together, it never looks like the view from her bedroom. On the wall, her mural is almost caught up to the present. She's working on painting the temple and the waves that crash below them. It's calming and infuriating to see the ocean right outside her window and be unable to recreate it on this wall. "'Fuck you, paint,' she mutters, a rueful smile on her face. "'I came to do this to relax.' If I had to sit up there and read another fucking tax form, I was going to lose my mind. I need you to cooperate with me. Hi, priestess. Jester hears Sam's voice behind her, and she takes a breath, annoyed at having been caught talking to the paint. She turns and sees Bren standing next to Sam, his eyes firmly on the ground. He's here. Thank you, Sam. Jester dismisses them with a smile, and Bren crosses the room, wrapping her in his arms. Hi, Bren. I'm sorry. His voice sounds like he's been choking on glass, and Jester immediately pulls away to look at him. He won't meet her gaze. I'm sorry. What? "'What are you sorry for?' she asks, grabbing his face in her hands. He winces, finally meeting her eyes. Jester doesn't understand how he can only be gone from her for a day, and when he comes back his people have broken him so thoroughly. "'You haven't done anything!' "'I... I missed your birthday, and I'm so sorry.' His voice sounds miserable, and Jester wonders if, for a second, he might be playing a trick on her, but the way he lightly trembles under her hands makes her think he's... afraid. I even got you a gift. I swear, I just... Someone fucking stole it from me. No, you didn't? He narrows his eyes at her. His hands cover hers, pulling them away from his face. Jester, you don't have to fuck with me. I'm not! You were at my birthday! I got your gifts. They're... they're amazing. Do you... not remember? That isn't... You were just here a little more than a day ago. I'm pretty sure my... Pillows still smell like you. She narrows her eyes, and he looks like he might be angry. But he swallows the response, and Jester frowns at him. Come with me. She takes his hand, leading him towards her room. He follows her, but there's a slight resistance to his steps, like he's nervous about what she's leading him to. Jester is—she doesn't want to think it, if she doesn't have to. She wonders about— This. Bren doesn't forget anything. There's been at least 30 different conversations she can think of where Bren has used her exact words against her. She squeezes his hand, grateful for the squeeze back she gets. She can't stop thinking about what it means if Bren can't remember being here. You're always my first choice. Jester drags Bren across her room to the table at the side of her bed, and she pulls out the cinnamon and the jar of purple honey. He pales as he reaches for them, fingers trembling as he does. She watches him carefully, eyes bouncing between the gifts and his face. You don't remember this. It's not a question, and he sighs, putting them back in her hands. No. But I'm sure there's a reason. Jester laughs, but it sounds off, even to her ears. (laughs) A reason? Jester. His tone is warning, but the usual confidence doesn't make it to his eyes. This. Sometimes I work for some things I shouldn't know. You don't remember anything, do you? Jester asks sadly. She thinks of their night, the way he'd held her, the way he'd finally let her in, the way he'd told her. You don't remember anything. I'm sure they had a reason. Don't you want to know? Jester asks, her heart breaking a little as she wrings her hands together. Bren sighs, running a hand through his hair. Don't you care that you lost an entire day? You never forget anything. Why isn't this bothering you? Do you you remember giving me permission to love you? Bren flinches, eyes looking to her and then her door, and Jester's heart breaks. I... Jester, I don't know what you are talking about. "'Okay!' Jester swallows the sadness, trying to drown her. She pulls in a shaky breath, trying to pretend this is just another case, another random problem she's trying to deal with, like it's not breaking her heart. "'Okay, okay, okay, okay. I saw you about a day ago. You said you had to go back to work, and then you left. What do you remember?' "'I was in Xorhas. I saw Alice there.' She was in Nazarius, and then I was back in the capital I met with, and I got my next mission. I just—I must have gone to sleep. Must have? You don't know? I'm trying, he hisses at her, rubbing his temple. I've got a massive headache bren her voice is hard and she hears it as she speaks she hasn't been this angry since she found those scars on his chest the scars that his people gave him he winces at the sound of her voice there's something sharp in there how often does this happen do you get your memories back he looks at her his jaw setting and his shoulders squaring up like he's getting ready to defend himself. I don't... I don't know, Jester. I work for some important people. So he's got an idea of what she's thinking. How often does this happen? I wouldn't know, would I? He shrugs like it doesn't matter, like he doesn't care about what he's lost. Why would he? Bren doesn't remember what he's lost. What happened that night? You're always my first choice. I can help you remember, she offers, eyebrows knitting together. I can show you what you're missing because... Because you told me it was okay to love you. Because you told me you wanted to love me back. If it's gone, I'm not supposed to know it. He shrugs, like the fact that he's lost an entire day means nothing to him. Jester takes a breath, trying to temper the anger flaring underneath her sorrow. Don't you care that you have no idea what happened? Are you not curious about what I said when you gave me those gifts? Aren't you wondering how you got those hickeys? Brent, do you really not want to know? Do you really not want me? Brent sits down on her bed, scrubbing his hand across his face. There's something off in his face, and Jester tries not to hold it against him, but she can't. She's so fucking angry. She clenches her fist, trying to school her face into something calm, something neutral, something she's never been. She runs a hand through his hair, so he looks up at her. Chester, I... Du fist am in mine is she whispers, her eyes never leaving his. Bren flinches, his hand reaching up to find hers, and he laces their fingers together. How did you... You taught me. You were next to me in bed, and you whispered it to me again and again until I could pronounce it right. "Du bist in minor ist You're my first choice, Bren, and I was yours. Can you... can you just trust me this one time? Please. I do trust you. Do you? Jester hates how painful her voice sounds, but she keeps her eyes on his. Because if you actually do, I need you to let me try to get the memory back. Please. I, Jester, you're wrong. It's not what you think. Then let me do this. If I'm wrong, then you can hate me if you want. There's no way you lose here. Bren's hand pulls from hers, and he pops his knuckles, thinking. Okay. His voice is barely a whisper, and it takes her a moment to realize he's even spoken. Okay? Yeah. You can... You can try. He looks up at her, his eyes hard, like he's expecting her to trick him. Jester takes a breath, pressing her lips his forehead. She grabs her holy symbol, trying to focus on the comfort of its weight in her hands, rather than Bren's defensive stare. She takes another breath, asking the traveler to help her with this one, especially to make sure whatever she knocks down doesn't ruin whatever they've surrounded his memories with. Her whispered words seem to echo in her room, and Bren sucks in a breath as he feels the magic push against him. Chester feels the magic settle, and then wrap around the block, and she feels it disappear, as though it disintegrated in her hands. Bren recoils like he's been hit, his hands pressing against his head. There's a string of curses in varying languages leaving his lips, and he stands, almost knocking her over. God damn it! Fuck! Bren! Don't! He snarls at her, his eyes on her, he looks wild in that moment, one hand pressed to his head. Don't fucking talk not right now. I jester not fucking now. He growls at her, and she recoils a little. this isn't this isn't just one day he's lost. This is something much bigger. Brent, what did they? He pushes past her, heading for the door, and Jester turns on her heel, following him out. Hey, don't just walk away. Bren, what happened? I have a mission. His voice is clipped, and Jester stops in her tracks. I have to go. You can't be serious. You can't just go back to them. They lied to you, didn't they? Or am I wrong, and you weren't here on my birthday? This is bigger than that, Jester. I have to go. Why? Why would you go back to them after they've lied to you and they kept... You don't fucking understand, and I'm starting to think you're never going to. He keeps walking, and Jester slams her fist against the wall, cracks erupting from the impact. Bren stops walking then, turning to look back at her. He seems fine, seems calm, But there's something manic in his eyes, and it's unsettling, but she stands her ground. Running away isn't going to fix fucking anything, Bren. You. you remember what you told me, right? That it's okay if I love you? So let me. I want to help you, but I can't if you keep running back to them. They're going to. they're going to kill you, and I want you to leave them. Bren stares at her with that manic look in his eyes, and he tilts his head. Jester, you're so fucking wrong about so many things. I'm sorry I don't fucking fit the boxes you need me to. I'm not going to be anything but what they made me. I can't be better. I've done. You don't understand. You're never going to understand. You need to. Bren, shut up for a second. Jester takes her hand down from the wall, ignoring the blood left behind on the wall. They lied, and they keep hurting you. I'm not... Jester swallows, eyes trained on him. I don't care if you're over this, but you can't go back to them. They're going to kill you. Kill me. (laughs) He laughs, and it's the most broken sound in the world. I'm the killer, Jester. The assembly hasn't made me into one. I always was. I have to go. If you leave, you're going to die. Jester's voice is empty. The futility of the situation falling on her shoulders. She blinks, tears in her eyes, but she doesn't let them fall. Not for this. Not for him. For this creature in front of her. Don't make me mourn you. I can't. I can't do this. I can't. Bren stares at her, and it looks like there might be a spark of who he was in his eyes, but it disappears as he blinks and keeps walking. Don't. Don't talk to me anymore, Jester. I can't. I can't do this anymore. Not now. Jester watches Bren leave, only a handful of steps more before he's gone in a flash of arcane light. She's left alone, in a temple that suddenly feels cold around her. She takes careful breaths, the tears in her eyes finally spilling over, and she turns back towards the sanctuary, towards her mural, and she kneels down in front of it. Endings, she thinks. You never realize when the ending starts. Friend stumbles out of the heretic temple, his hands covered in blood. It changes nothing. All this death. All this blood. All those bodies. All this pain. Perhaps a slight modification to the memory pushed them, but they still did it. That is true loyalty, my dear. If I wanted to love you, would you let me? I know what you're thinking, and you would never survive it. I know you think you're strong, but you couldn't kill me, and you couldn't kill Astrid, and he would send us after you. I'm just really worried, you see. You kids are basically my own. I've watched you grow up, and I can't help but notice how you're weaker lately. How you hesitate, how you struggle, how you choke to death on your own blood and accept it. No, 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 my boy. You won't let me down. You have to say goodbye, or you'll be forced to. Don't let him take that from you. So I just want you to know that when we gave you the same odds you gave her, we were better than you. We are better than you. He takes a couple of steps towards the Empire, towards the gates, back towards Rexentrum, But then he stops and stands there, hand pressed to broken ribs, his father's face, his mother's smile, their love of the empire, the conversation that damned them erased from his head with Jester's spell. You aren't salvageable, you aren't good, you aren't worth saving. You were a monster before he could make you one. He takes a few more steps before he collapses on the side of the road, the dewy grass pressing against his warm face as he tries to stay awake. He attempts to get up once, but his vision goes black, and he falls back into the dirt, taking a deep breath. Maybe there are more answers in the darkness, and he lets himself drift. Bren sees flashes of memory, some of them familiar. Some of them knew, flooding his senses since Jester ripped down those walls in his head. It's her voice he hears, before everything finally goes to black. No, but this is fate, isn't it? I was always going to kill you, someday. If anyone could, I believe it's you. The End